Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Only Robbie John could make the year 2020 look kind of fun, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a cool video. Thanks for doing that, Robbie. And uh, the Lord is a righteous God, isn't he? All the things that we... Uh, complain about and worry about. He just keeps blessing us. Hey, glad that you are here. Good to see some new faces uh, here in person. Glad that you're joining us online again for, I guess, somebody had it right the 53rd time in a row or something, but uh, one step closer to being back to whatever we're going to be back to. One step closer to moving forward, I guess, but glad that you're together. Glad that we're together. When my wife and I were first married. We spent a couple years in western Pennsylvania. I actually moved back to my old home farm. Lived in the farmhouse, just the two of us. And we're living on a farm, newlyweds. Springtime rolls around, and Martha says, I want to have a garden. I mean, we're on a farm, right? We ought to have a garden. She mentions this to my uncle. I'd like to have a garden. My uncle said, I'm going to work you up a piece of land, a little, little plot. There's a place right behind on the hill, behind the barn. It'd be a perfect place for a garden. I'll work that up for you. Great. A couple days later, we come home, and there's half an acre lined up for her garden. And she's like, I didn't want that big of a garden, but, you know, you get big implements. You can't make a real small garden with big machinery. So she has this huge garden. I'm like, well, you don't have to plant it all. I mean, you can just plant it. No, no, this would be great. I'm going to plant the whole half acre here. I'm going to put this whole thing in vegetables. Like, that's going to be a lot of food for two people. No, it's going to be great. We'll be able to can some, freeze some. We'll eat like kings. We'll give a bunch away. You know, pioneer spirit. She was all into it. And she planted this beautiful garden. I mean, it was really about the size of this room. But she had it all lined up. She planted okra and squash and zucchini and... No tomatoes, we both hate tomatoes, but you know, just row after row, perfectly straight. She had little you know, stakes at the end of each row to show what each thing was, and it just looked beautiful. She's like, this is going to be so exciting to see you know, the, the crops begin to show. About the time the crops began to show, the weeds began to show as well. And I said, don't worry, I'm going to keep your garden weeded. I'll take care of the weeds. I never pulled a single weed in that garden. Not one weed. Neither did Martha, by the way. We, we were both working really long hours. You know, I'd show up after 12 hours of work, and I, I don't want to go up and weed that garden. So we sort of forgot about it. And in a matter of what seemed like days, weeds overtook that garden. I mean, it was just a mass of weeds. And we just kind of wrote it off as, you know, being young and not very, uh, not very gardenering. It's just a giant bed of weeds. So I was pretty surprised one day when Martha walked into the house with a little handful of squash and said, look what I found. And I said, I know that didn't come from that garden up there. It did. I got in those weeds and I found out there's a couple squash plants in there. And they have squash on them. And I got looking around in the rest of those weeds, and there were some cucumbers in there. And there's some okra plants that are actually have little okra on them. 
So every couple of days, she would come down to the house with this little handful of just a little bit of vegetables that she would find in that garden. There was some good stuff growing in there, but not much. And you had to look awfully close to find anything worth, of it, worth the eating in the middle of all those weeds. It, it just, the weeds just took it over. Now, I don't know of any gardeners who enjoy pulling weeds. A lot of people enjoy gardening, but not too many gardeners really enjoy pulling the weeds. But all gardeners know if you don't take care of the weeds, you're not going to get the result that you're really looking for. You're not going to get the crop that you want. You'll get maybe some good stuff, but not much. And it's going to take a long time to find it. Everyone wants a beautiful garden. Nobody likes pulling weeds. And I think there's a spiritual application to that truth as well. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul makes a really famous uh, list of a life that's directed by the Holy Spirit. And he uses a gardening metaphor to do it. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And we know this verse so well. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We know that verse. We've memorized that verse. We love that verse. We teach that song to our kids, right? The fruit of the Spirit is not a banana. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You're looking at me like you've never heard that song. You know that song, right? You don't know that song. I still sing that song in my head every time I quote that verse. I've got to go back and sing the song. We love that verse. But before Paul makes that famous list in chapter 5, verse 22, he actually shares another list. Another list that we don't talk about quite as often. It's called the Acts of the Sinful Nature. It's a very different list. Here's what's in that list. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know any songs from that list. Do you? But the acts are sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and fits of rage. We don't sing that song, do we? We haven't taught that to our children. Maybe we should. Because Paul is making a point that what the sinful nature wants is in direct opposition to what the spirit wants. And the point that Paul's making is that fruit of the Spirit will never grow in your life. It'll never grow in your heart until you pull the weeds of that sinful nature. Paul's making the point that the sinful nature wants what's contrary to the Spirit. And the point that Paul's making is the fruit of the Spirit is never going to grow until you take care of the weeds of the sinful nature. Until you address the sin in your life you're not going to have the result that you envision, the outcome 
that you're hoping for. You're not going to enjoy those fruits in the measure that God wants you to experience them. And in keeping with this gardening analogy, some people say, well, okay, I'll pull some of the weeds some of the time. But any gardener will tell you, you can't just pull some of the weeds some of the time. You will never keep up with the weeds. The weeds will always win if you say, I'm going to just take care of some of them some of the time. You've got to pull all the weeds all the time. Or some people say, well, I'll just, I'll just cut back the weeds a little bit. I'll just try to keep the weeds in kind of a manageable uh, size. But again, we all know that doesn't work in a garden. You can't just cut them back. If you don't pull the weeds out by the roots, you're just fooling yourself. Spiritually, if you convince yourself, behavior modification, that's, that's going to do it for me. I'll just cut back a little bit on my sinful habits. I'll just manage uh, a little bit better my hurtful tendency. I'm not going to get rid of all the sin in my life. I'm not going to pull it out of the roots. I'm just going to manage it better. If you think somehow you can manage sin, you are listening to the wrong voice. Or maybe you rationalize the whole concept by saying, hey, I see some fruits in my life. I, I see some love. I see some joy. There's some peace there. But your garden probably looks a lot like my garden back in Pennsylvania. It is a whole mess of weeds. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there, but you've got to look really hard to find it. Now, no one's going to mistake that for a vegetable garden, um, a weed garden that just somehow has a few vegetables growing there somewhere. To say that there's some fruit in your life doesn't mean you're bearing the fruit that God wants you to bear. And I don't think it's really realistic to ask God to grow fruit in a heart that's full of weeds. Or to ask God, hey, produce this great fruit in, in, a, in a life that's full of weeds. Now, we all want that life defined by the Spirit, right? We all want to live a life defined by love, joy, peace, patience, you know, all those things. We, we want that, absolutely. But not everyone's willing to put in the work to obtain that. And that's what it takes, it takes effort. It takes work. It takes rolling up your sleeves and, and getting dirty, you know, pulling the weeds that prevent the fruit from growing in your life. Look back at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Uh, Paul's going to give us some insight into why we're not the person that we want to be and why there's a reason we do what we don't want to do and we don't do the things that we do want to do. Paul writes, So I say, live by the Spirit. And you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Paul says there's a reason why you don't do what you want to do. It's because in your garden there's a sinful nature, and in your garden there's a, a, a spirit-led nature, and they are in conflict with each other. There's a battle going on. There's a battle between our sinful nature and a spirit of God nature. And it's impossible for the fruit of the spirit to grow while I am watering the seeds of the sinful nature. It is impossible 
for the fruit of the Spirit to grow while I am actively watering the seeds of the sinful nature. Think about it. A husband says, I want to be more loving to my wife. I want to be a better husband. I want to to be the husband that my wife deserves. But at the same time, he's, he's watering those seeds of lust. And he's watering those seeds of pornography. And he's flirting with women that he shouldn't be flirting with. And he's ignoring his wife. And he's, he's disrespecting his wife. How's love going to grow in that garden? Or I want to be more joyful. I, I want to be more joyful. But at the same time, I am watering the seeds of resentment, bitterness, I am holding on to a grudge that I am not letting go of. But make no mistake, I want to be more joyful. But that's not what's getting watered. Or I want to be more gentle. I love that Paul puts gentleness into that list. I want to be more gentle. But I'm watering the seeds of judging others, ridiculing others, demanding my own way, imposing my will on others. I'm like the king of the passive-aggressive nature, but I want to be more gentle. Well, how is gentleness going to grow in that garden? Now, there is some really good news in this, some really good news in all of this, And, and that is whether you're talking about the ability to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your heart or whether you're talking about the ability to to get rid of the acts of the sinful nature, the good news is we don't have to do that all by ourselves. In fact, the good news is we can't do that all by ourselves. We've got help. And I think sometimes we're guilty, at least I know sometimes I'm guilty, of telling people, here's what you need to do. Pull weeds, uh, grow fruit. Pull weeds, grow fruit. Just, just do this, don't do that. Just, just do better. You know, pull weeds, grow fruit. Pull weeds, grow fruit. That's all you got to do. And people try to do that by themselves with, with their own ability and effort. And they just fall into this cycle of failure and frustration because I can't keep up with the weeds. I just can't seem to get rid of them. We ask people to do things that they haven't been empowered to do. Paul says, you can't leave the Holy Spirit out of this equation. Look back at verse 16 of Galatians 5. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Paul says, live by the Spirit. You can't do this by yourself. The good news is, you don't have to do this by yourself. If you look at Galatians chapter 3, Paul wrote this. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Paul says, you're just fooling yourself if you think you can do this without the help of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You need that power. Galatians 5.16, Paul tells us, live by the Spirit. That sounds good, doesn't it? Live by the Spirit. How many people here want to live by the Spirit? Yeah, everybody raise your hand. Sure, we all want to live by the Spirit. Sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? That sounds very Christian. But what exactly does that mean? 
Live by the Spirit. What would that even look like? Let me give you three thoughts. Think about this idea of living by, living in the Spirit. Not, Not at all a comprehensive list, but maybe a good place to start. The first is this. Living by the Spirit has to be a continual awareness and a constant prayer. 525 Galatians, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we're going to keep in step with someone, if you're trying to follow someone's footprints in the sand, in the snow, you've got to pay pretty close attention to where those footprints go, don't you? You've got to be very intentional about who that is and where they went. It is a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment, step-by-step awareness of where the Spirit is leading us. A continual awareness, and and it's a constant prayer. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? You, you fathers, you earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You are earthly, you, you are evil, you know how to give good things to your children. What do you think the gift is going to be from God when you ask him? How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We need to be asking God to fill us with His Spirit, with His power. We need to be aware of the available power that's within us. Here's a second thing. Living by the Spirit is going to require change in the way we think. It's a pretty simple reality. What we feed our mind is either going to feed our sinful nature or it's going to feed the Spirit. What we expose ourselves to, what we look at, what we choose to listen to, what we think about, it's either going to feed our our sinful nature or it's going to feed the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. If you feel like your your garden is overcome with weeds and you're not seeing much fruit, you've got to ask yourself the question, what am I feeding? Am I feeding my sinful nature or am I feeding the Spirit? Because they both have very strong appetites. Years ago, I came across this poem, which is kind of a different take on the old Native American proverb. Two natures beat within my breast. One is foul, the other blessed. One I love, the other I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. One I love, one I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. The things that we think about matter. The books we read They matter. They're the websites that we visit, the way we spend our time, the conversations that we have. They're either feeding our sinful nature or they're feeding spirit. Which are we feeding? Which are we starving? 
you know, we've been reminded just what a weird year last year was. And since we weren't together nearly as much physically, you might not have noticed it. I lost 50 pounds last year. You didn't notice, did you? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I lost five, and then I gained six back. And then I lost five, and I gained six back. And I, lo- I did that all year long. I kept losing five pounds, and, and it's even carried into this year, by the way. I, I, I'm losing five pounds, and I'm gaining six back. But every now and then, I realize i got to drop a few pounds. You know, this, that scale keeps going up, and boy, nobody tells you when you're young how, old, how hard it is when you're old to, to drop a few pounds. But I came across years ago this really, it, it, it's worked for me in the past, kind of a radical uh, diet. Um, exercise more and eat less. I know, it sounds crazy, right? I read about it once, and I thought I'd try it. Exercise more and eat less. Um, And what I found is there are some apps available to keep track of your calorie intake. So I downloaded one on my phone. I'm going to keep track of everything that I I eat, and that's going to help me. And it's amazing how fast those calories add up. I'd get to the end of the day, and I'd think, I did pretty good today. I had oatmeal for breakfast. You know, I'd start adding in all the, the things that I ate. Oatmeal for breakfast, that's good. And then I had a candy bar at about 10 o'clock, <laughs> but it was a small candy bar. And then I ate half of Martha's sandwich, you know, after I ate mine, so I put that in. And then I had, like, probably four servings of mashed potatoes at dinner, so I trying to be honest with myself, and I put that in. Then there was the bag of Cheetos during Jeopardy. (laughs) And a small bowl of ice cream right before bed. I did pretty good. And I'd hit the button, and it would total my calories. It's like, whoa. I had no idea that I was consuming (laughs) that many calories. It was incredibly depressing. Um, But I wonder, what would happen if we were to keep a spiritual log? What if there was an app? What if we had the discipline to say, I'm going to log everything that that feeds my sinful nature, and I'm going to log everything that feeds the spirit? What would that log look like? How would it balance out? What am I listening to? What am I reading? What am I thinking about? How much time did I spend in the Word today? How much time did did I spend in prayer today? Log it. Put it down. How much time did I spend with my mind set on things above? How much time was my mind set on things below? One we love, one we hate. But the one we feed will dominate. And then finally... Living by the Spirit means dying to myself. Uh, Back to Galatians 5, uh, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And then Paul would say in uh, Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then in Pauline fashion, he gives us another list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. 
those weeds that grow in our lives, Paul says you can't take them lightly. You can't ignore it. You can't think they're going to go away. They will overtake the garden. They'll smother everything out. And if you're like me, in the front of our house we have a flower bed. When I see enough weeds coming up, sometimes I'll just I'll cover it up with mulch. If somebody's like coming out and, okay, I, I want it to look nicer than it looks, I'm just going to cover it up with mulch. How long does it take weeds to go through mulch? Two days. At my house, that's how long it takes. About two days. You, know, you, you can't cover it. You can't hide it. We think, well, I'm just cover up my sin. I'll cover up these hurtful tendencies because I want people to think the best about me. I want people to think I'm living my best life. I want people to see me as something that, you know, hey, that guy's got it together. And they don't know that it's just a bunch of mulch covering up, uh, you know, all these tendencies that I have. And those weeds are going to resurface pretty quickly. So many times we want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and somehow ignore the consequence of sin. But again, Paul says you're fooling yourself. You're listening to the wrong voice. Someone put it this way, and I like this quote. The filling of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean the believer gets more of the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit gets more of the believer. And I think there's some truth to that. When I surrender my will, when I surrender my life to God, then fruit starts to be born. Then God starts using that and starts using me in some pretty significant ways. I pray that we don't just try to, to do better. I pray that we are allowing God to, to transform us and, and make us better. Now, before I close, I've got to put a little bit of a disclaimer on this whole lesson. If you're here this morning, or if you're watching online, and you're just kind of checking out the Christianity thing, and you never really claimed Jesus as your Lord, and you've never really gone and made that step, this sermon really wasn't for you. Because the truth is, Scripture tells us that there's a point in our lives where the Holy Spirit indwells within us. Uh, Acts talks about that point being baptism. When I claim Jesus as the Lord of my life, when I repent of my sins and confess Him as Lord and am baptized in, in Christ, and my sins are forgiven, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, that's working in me as a Christian, which is one more reason that you really ought to make Jesus the Lord of your life. One more. I mean, if we, as if we need one more reason, the work of the Holy Spirit within a believer, within a child of God, someday we're going to understand that. And it's not going to be this side of heaven. But someday we're going to understand the power and, and the strength and the presence that we have as Jesus followers because the Holy Spirit is working in us, working through us to help pull those weeds out of the garden that, that's planted. One I hate, one I love, one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. Let's pray. Father, in a very real sense, we are in a spiritual battle. There are very real and very present forces of evil at work against us. 
And Father, I thank you for promising and supplying the all-powerful and all-present force working for us and in us. Father, may we put to death the acts of the sinful nature. May we be more fully devoted to living our lives in step with the Spirit. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.